0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do
0: 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast
1: what's going on packer fans welcome back to this devastating heartbreaking edition of the pack a podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter or x at andy herman nfl you can follow the podcast at pack a day podcast thanks so much for being here today Um, Obviously, a wide range of emotions that you sort of go through after a game like this. Still super appreciative of the season and the journey that this team has brought us through through the course of this year. The high highs, the low lows, the roller coaster, the ups, the downs, whatever we want to call it. But at the same time, an all too familiar feeling, the stab in the heart, the kick to the gut, whatever you want to call it of a devastating playoff loss that Green Bay had every right to win. This was the classic Packers playoff handbook of how to blow a game that you should have won. And you would think, you would think that at some point in time, Packer fans would just gain an immunity to heartbreak in these type of losses. It's impossible, right? Right. Once you get past 2014 Seattle, and we don't even need to list all of them, but we could if we wanted to, fourth and 26, Uh, (laughs) I don't even want to get into it, but we've been through so many of these that certainly, certainly in a season where Green Bay was not expected to be here and you're playing with house money and it's a super young team, Jordan's first year as a starter, there's no possible way. That we could get caught, you know caught off guard, and that this could possibly happen, it happened again, and it does not get any easier. I have not grown immune to the heartbreak of these sort of games, and while this journey and this season has been amazing, and we'll talk about that, and I will forever have a fondness, and as we get further and further away from the heartbreak that was this game. I think we will grow even more in our fondness of what this season really was and the journey that this team brought us on. I know for me, it'll go down as one of my favorite seasons that I think I've ever watched for Green Bay and covered. Uh, not too dissimilar to the, you know, tw- was it, 2007 season against, or, you know, that ended in the NFC Championship against the Giants with Favre throwing his last pass as a Packer as the INT. Uh, I still look back at that as one of my favorite seasons. I think this will go down very similarly. However... However, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. We all sit here today believing, and I think rightfully so, that Green Bay is just starting this journey, that they are going to go on uh, amazing runs in the near future with Jordan at quarterback, that they've found their franchise guy, that this young core of players is setting them up for success for the foreseeable future. I think we all believe that to be true, but nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, uh, Green Bay is going to have to put a lot of time, effort, and energy and a lot of, you know, um, a lot of growth into getting better and becoming the team that they want to be. And nothing's for certain. There could still be a lot of really difficult trials for this team ahead. And this was a team that had every right to go to the NFC championship and face two te- one of two teams that they could have beaten and instead going into the fourth quarter with a seven point lead and having every opportunity at your disposal to put that game away, you don't. And the defense had the opportunity for stops. The offense had the opportunity to get points. We can point fingers at a lot of different things in this game, but this team as a whole had a trip to the NFC championship game all but punched, and they let it slip through their fingers. Again, in classic Packers heartbreaking fashion. And what stings, and by the way, let me just say, the Atlanta Falcons NFC Championship game loss that they just got destroyed on is becoming one of my favorite Packer games of all time, <laughs> because that was just a clean rip the bandaid. Like I didn't even have an opportunity to get any hopes up. It was just a just a quick death, and there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot less pain that can come with a quick death. Just let's just put it that way. But this was a scenario again where you you give the 49ers some credit, of course. They found a way to win the game, but it felt like Green Bay lost this game. And let's just jump right into it. Let's go through the list. I don't think this is quite 2014 um, Seattle Seahawks-ish. I don't think it's quite as long of, of a list, uh, but it is quite the freaking list. Let's start with everything that basically went just over brutally wrong for Green Bay in this game. You have the Savage missed INT. Now let's start there because I know on tape and when we first watched it, it looks like this is a, a pick six. Kyle Juszczyk is right there. There's maybe an avenue where he catches it clean and gets outside where he can take that to the house. But I think more often than not, Kyle Juszczyk cuts him off and it's probably just like first and 10 from like the 30 yard line. I don't think it's a pick six. Not that that's going to make you feel any better. Not that it still would not have been a huge interception in the game and set Green Bay up to go up big early, but that was a key play in the game. And I do not think it was going to be a pick six, but as I went back and I watched it on the All-22 already, I saw the angle. Again, there's maybe a slight avenue where he could do it. Either way, huge missed interception by Darnell Savage. You then have the fourth and inches play. Looks like a bad spot and... Looks like a play that Green Bay picked up the first down, but we're not given the first down. And I I think the other thing that's missed on that play is you have the 49ers. If you watch from the sideline view, are lined up in the neutral zone. The 49ers helmet at the nose tackle is like basically touching Josh Myers' helmet. That's a that's a play where Josh Myers has been called. What was it, John Running Junior? One of the guards had been called uh, for offsides in the Packers a couple times this year the defender is chilling in the neutral zone and there's no call in the play, plus the bad spot. That's a huge play in the game and a huge missed opportunity at points for Green Bay. Before the George Kittle touchdown, the one that went down the field and Anthony Johnson Jr. may have come up and not had, you know, supposed to have come up on the play. We'll talk about that in future episodes, I'm sure. But on that particular drive, before the George Kittle touchdown, there is a, what seems to be, a very obvious intentional grounding penalty where Brock Purdy throws it well down the field and there's nobody in the vicinity and he is not outside of the pocket. And it should have been a huge loss of yardage and a loss of down. And instead they go on to convert the touchdown to to George Kittle on that drive. That's a big one. You have a missed face mask on Aaron Jones. Now that particular play didn't really come back to haunt Green Bay because Green Bay went down and scored a touchdown on that drive anyway. So it wasn't a huge issue, but a missed face mask call. You have a, uh, a play on third down to George Kittle where the corner passes him off to Jonathan Owens, and Jonathan Owens is just stuck in mud in the middle of the field. And he starts going back the other way. There's multiple defenders to cover the other way. There's nobody to cover Kittle. Owens looks like he misreads it. It's always tough to tell this stuff. We don't know what's going on in the field, but you can tell the corner and the DBs are passing off Kittle across the field. Owens is there. If he goes with them, he's got the opportunity to maybe break that up and there's nowhere really else to go on the play. Instead, it's a key first down and then Owens compounds the problem by completely missing the tackle and Kittle gets a big gain down the field. You also then had a huge Darnell Savage missed tackle on a Christian McCaffrey touchdown run, the big run up the middle the 30-some yarder. This is a this is a play we should dive into a little bit deeper. There's so many things that are going on on this play. The first one is, I know people have pointed out, the play clock's at zero. All right, we've been through this a million times, but the how this operation works is the referee is looking at the play clock and he'll see it go to zero, and then he'll look down and there's that momentary lapse between looking at the play clock, looking down. And then if, as he looks down, if the ball's like immediately snapped, they're not going to call a penalty on that ever. Aaron got away with that forever in Green Bay, especially with all the times that he brought the play clock down to zero. If anybody should know how this works, Packer fans should know how this works from all the times that Aaron brought it down to zero and then got an extra tick and then got a playoff. That's just the operation of it. It's zero, an extra tick. And then if it's not uh if it's not snapped yet, then they throw the flag. This was well within the range of zero looked at by the time you look down the play the play was snapped. I have no issue with that not being called a delay of game in that situation. Remember too, like remember the purpose of of the play clock. The purpose of the play clock is just to keep the game flowing. It's not necessarily, you're not trying to penalize teams. You're trying to keep the game flowing so that you don't end up with a four hour game. So like the the purpose of it is just to simply keep the game flowing. So the, the funny part of it is, is if they throw the penalty in that situation, you're actually like making it so that the game is going slower. You're stopping the clock, you're throwing the flag, you're calling the penalty, you're getting everyone back. So if you see it go to zero, you get the eyes down and it's immediately snapped. As a general rule of thumb, I like the way that that rule is set up. You don't necessarily want stops in the game, so I'm fine with that. I don't. They're not going to call that, and it's it not. It's a non-issue for me. There are two other things that happen on this play. The one, Darnell Savage completely misses the tackle. We talked about tackling all week long. And unfortunately, this is just not a team that's very good at it. And in a team a going against a team that's extremely great at breaking tackles, you can have some issues. And this is a play where Savage has him dead to rights, middle of the field. And it's going to be one of those plays where it's probably what, an eight, nine yard gain. And instead it's a 30 some yard touchdown. The other thing that we need to talk about here is Jonathan Owens is coming across with an opportunity probably to make a play on CMC. And he gets pushed in the back. Do I really expect that they're probably going to call that play in that situation, especially when there was a Packer there to make the play and he just missed it? I don't think that gets called more often than not. And if it was the other way around and a Wicks or a Reed or someone gives someone a shove in the back and Aaron Jones made that amazing run, I think people would probably be upset on the flip side if that's called. Could it have been called? Yes. By the letter of the law, was it a penalty? Yes. But uh, The bigger thing to me on that play, not the play clock going to zero, could have could have probably called the the block in the back. But the bigger thing for me is Darnell Savage just missing the tackle. It has to be made. It's completely and I trust me, I get Christian McCaffrey best in the league. He does this to a lot of people. It's a playoff game. You got to find a way to get him to the ground or at least hold him up where people can rally to you and help you get him down. He just misses on the play and it ends up being a huge touchdown. All right, that we're still like midway through the list. Keyshawn Nixon with a missed INT. This one's a little bit like it's coming to the 49er. I think he's like looking to to make like go make the play and then it gets through and then he's trying to react to it. I have more forgiveness for the Nixon play than I do for the Savage play where Savage is right in his hands. With Nixon, uh, the other thing here too is while he had like the opportunity I think to pick that off, It does end up in a, you know, turnover on down, not turnover and downs, but they have to punt the ball away anyway. It was not a huge issue, but if he was able to pick that off, they get the ball on like the 30 yard line with the opportunity to put points on the board. That was a big missed interception. You then have the first interception to Dre Greenlaw, bad throw by Jordan, not a bad decision. He checked it down the right spot. Should have you know, Tucker crafts right there. And instead he throws it far and wide or high and wide and it, you know, Craft tips it up. It's a little bit of a bad throw, but also some bad luck where it of course bounces directly in the hands of Dre Greenlaw. That's another one. You have the Love Jones missed third down opportunity where Jones is coming across and Love has the ability to dump it down to him. I think he's expecting Jones to settle down and instead Jones kind of keeps going. So Love throws it behind, Love Jones keeps going and it's just a misconnection on that particular play on a huge third down. Green Bay had to punt because of that. You have the Juwan Jennings play on a third and 10, where Brock Purdy's got insane pressure in his face. Keyshawn Nixon's under the throw. Anthony Johnson Jr.'s over the throw. Carrington Valentine is just to the right of the throw. Like if that thing goes any other place, if it's a tiny bit high, picked by Johnson. If it's a tiny bit low, picked by Nixon. If it's a tiny bit right, probably picked by Carrington Valentine. Instead, he layers the ball perfectly with pressure in his his face completely And it's a beautiful throw and it's a beautiful catch on a key third down. It's just one you have to tip your cap, but it's one of those like unbelievable ones of like, did that just happen? You then have, of course, the missed field goal by Anders Carlson. More on that in just a moment. You have the, on the final drive of the game, I think one of the biggest plays of the entire game is a third and five. And that's the one to Brandon Ayuk. And listen, Keyshawn Nixon has beautiful cover, as good a coverage as you could possibly imagine for Keyshawn Nixon on Brandon Ayuk in the slot. And he's got great coverage. Ayuk comes open. Purdy throws it low, and Ayuk is just able to go get it. And Nixon is just a fingertip away. Would have been a really interesting decision for the 49ers. It would have brought up fourth and five if that's incomplete. They're around their own like 45 yard line, and there's like three and a half minutes left in the game. My guess is San Fran goes for it, but that's like a now like almost like a do or die for San Francisco. And if there, there is a possibility, too, because they had their timeouts, that they just punt the ball away there and Green Bay gets the ball back, it would have been a really interesting decision. But that was a huge, huge play by Brandon Ayuk. And again, Nixon is right there. And then, of course, you have the game-ending interception as well, which we will talk about more when we talk a little bit
0: more about Jordan Love. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: That's the list. Savage missed INT, fourth and inches, intentional grounding, face mask, missed pass off on Kittle on third down, Savage missed tackle on CMC. Keyshawn Nixon missed INT, interception to Greenlaw, Love Jones missed connection, Jennings with a crazy play, missed field goal, Brandon Ayuk with a crazy play, game ending INT. That is a heck of a list. And some of those are tip your cap to the 49ers. Some of those are officiating based. A lot of those are just Green Bay missing out on opportunities to go make plays. But that is a heck of a list of a game changing type of situation for this entire team and game and how this could have gone one way or the other. All right, let's, let's talk about late in the game. Green Bay has the ball after this Aaron Jones run. They have a 21-17 lead with the ball, first and 10 on the 49ers 24-yard line, less than eight minutes remaining. All they have to do it really is get points there and it makes it really hard for San Fran, but a touchdown seals that thing away. You do the bootleg outside, hits Kraft. It's like a half a yard loss. And then I think Jones runs for maybe a couple yard gain. And then they bring pressure, and Green Bay doesn't do a good job of picking it up. And Jones just, or uh, Love basically just throws and, and tries mostly to get rid of it. And it's incomplete, and they have to settle for the field goal. And then we know what happened after that. Green Bay's final four drives of the day interception, three and out, missed field goal, interception. And that was after a seven point lead at the time interception, three and out, miss field goal, interception. Uh, let's talk about Anders Carlson. Uh, well, I don't know where we want to start. Uh, the first thing I will say is I know he's a rookie and I know that this is not a position where it's really easy to carry multiple players. And once you draft somebody, they're just kind of the guy. And I, I get some of those things, but we have seen that he has not been up to the task. And a divisional round playoff game with the opportunity to go to the NFC championship game is not the time nor the place for on-the-job training. I brought up as a random idea last week of, hey, you have the open roster spot. Mason Crosby is out there and available. Maybe you have Mason do the 45 and unders. He's known for his accuracy, not his leg. Maybe you have him do the 45 and and I get, he did not kick well in New York. You have to remember, let's like probably not a lot of familiarity in just, you know, coming into a tough situation, new long snapper, new punter. And I get, it would have been the same thing in green Bay, new holder, new long snapper for him as well. But sometimes there's just a familiarity there with putting on the green and gold and knowing the coach and you know all those things, having the same special teams coach. He's had the last couple or at least last season. Um, but it didn't have to be Mason Crosby. They could have gone in a different direction, brought in a veteran kicker and had him do the 45 or under, you know, kicks, or maybe it's the 42 and unders and anything longer that needs a bigger leg, you have Anders do and hope for the best. Anders has done okay with some of those, but this is not the time nor the place nor the situation to have a kicker where you don't have any faith in or any trust in. To be abundantly clear at this point in the year, it's not like there's great options out there. And you might say Mason Crosby, Mason did struggle Last year at times, he struggled in New York when they gave him the opportunity this year as well. So it's not like there's this perfect kicker that's out there that they can just go sign and they just didn't do it. But I do think there's maybe an opportunity that they could have platooned. And like I said, done a more accurate kicker, 45 or 44 or 43 and under, whatever you want to do and have Anders do the long one. They didn't. And here's the thing. Anders has been telling the coaching staff and everyone that's been watching that he's not up to this. It's too big for him at this moment. And we know that because he finished the season by missing the kick in six of seven games. He's missed five field goals and six extra points on the season. Up until that point, four field goals and six extra points going into the game. But this is his fifth field goal and six extra points. The most misses of any kicker on the season from 40 to 49 yards. This one was what? 41, 42. I forget what it was somewhere in that range. From 40 to 49 yards on the season, he ended four of nine. Four of nine, under 50% on a 40 to 49 yard field goal. Listen, if you end four of nine on 50 plus, I understand. I get it. That, those are tough. Four of nine from 40 to 49, including just one of his last four, that's completely unacceptable. And from Peter Bukowski, he points out Anders Carlson had a missed field goal against the Giants in a game that the Packers lost by two points. He had a missed extra point against the Steelers in a game that they lost by four, but they had two possessions in the red zone in the fourth quarter and could have kicked field goals had they only been down three, but instead they were down four and they had to go for touchdowns instead of field goals. They had a missed field goal against Denver in a game that they lost by two points. And again, five field goals, six extra points, missed a kick in six of his last seven games and did four of nine from 40 to 49 on the season that's it's completely unacceptable and it would have been like one thing if he'd been kicking great all year and he just misses in that moment it's going to happen from time to time but when the kicker is telling you i'm not good enough you have to listen you have to make the change and otherwise this is what can happen and we've talked about it all year we talked about it in the pregame show yesterday you know that when you're going into the game with this type of kicker, that this could be the difference between winning or losing a divisional round game, the difference between going to an NFC championship game or going home. Not only did it have the opportunity to put them up seven points, but it had the ability to then you allow you you kick off and you hopefully pin them deep rather than them getting great field position after the missed kick. And if San Francisco does go down and score, you're tied. And now the pressure's off, Jordan has the ability to go and put a game-winning drive together rather than being under the gun and having to maybe try to force things a little bit more, knowing that they're losing by three points and probably feeling a little bit like even if I get into field goal range, we're not even sure that he's going to make it anyway. It changes everything. And to me, of all that list that we went through, there's plenty of things that could have changed the potential outcome of the game the one where you felt it the most. If you're going through on the the chart of like where was the where was the big moment? The Anders Carlson kick is clearly it. It makes it into a four-point game, San Francisco Great Field position with all the momentum and everyone in the crowd feeling like they're going to go down and score a touchdown. That was the game changer. There's no two ways about it. And I don't know what happens to Anders from here on out. I will always say My hope is that he just stays and becomes an all-pro Hall of Fame kicker. Never misses a kick again. That'd be great. At minimum, there needs to be competition in camp. That's the bare minimum. That is literally the bare minimum. I don't think they just release him outright, but this is going to be the lasting image of Anders Carlson coming out of this year. Him missing the field goal in the biggest moment. It's tough to come back from. Hopefully he can do it. I'll be cheering for him. Like I said, I hope he just turns it around, but the bare minimum is competition. And it should not just be, well, we spent a draft pick on him. So we got it. No, it needs to be a real true competition. I don't care how you get there. Veteran. I know people are going to hate this, but draft pick undrafted free agency. I don't care, but you've got to find a way to get a better kicker that you feel confident in. And maybe that's just honors getting better. That'd be great. It's tough to see it at this point. Loyalty for Green Bay has its benefits and its downfalls. Rashid Walker is a great example. I don't think many people would have kept Rashid at left tackle through those first 5-6 starts that he had this season. And instead they stick with him, they stay loyal, and he becomes a really good left tackle through the second half of the year. Green Bay's had a multitude of stories where they've stuck with stuck with players. Mason Crosby had these same sort of situations come up in his career. They stuck with him and it paid off far more often than not. These there's loyalty moments that have paid off huge for the Packers. But at the same token, you've had Amari Rogers situations, you've had Mo Drayton situations, you've had coaches, coordinators, players that they've held on to for far too long, and it has come back to haunt Green Bay. And it feels like Anders Carlson was one of these situations. When the everyone in the media is asking Matt LaFleur and Rich Passaccia constantly about what's your faith in Anders Carlson. And we've seen the inconsistencies from day one, from OTAs, mini camps, training camps, preseason, regular season, playoffs the entire year. This did not alter. There were times where it got better. There were times where it was worse, but we saw inconsistency all year. Anders told you who he was. You ignored it. You stuck with it anyway. And instead of getting the return on investment for your loyalty, you got the worst thing, a loss in a divisional round game. Is this all on Anders? Clearly not. We just went through the whole list of things that could have gone differently. It's one kick in the game, but the margin for error in these games is nothing. And like I said, if I had to circle one on the list that I felt like really changed everything, it was the Anders play. But we'll see. We'll see what happens from here. We'll see if they move on. My guess is there's competition and may the best man win in training camp next year. Jordan Love in this game. 21 of 34, 194 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Not his best day. I think if he could have this game back overall, he would love to have it back. It never really felt like he got in a great rhythm in this game. There were a couple magical Jordan Love throws that we've now become accustomed to. Uh, But we also saw some poor decisions and some inaccurate throws. From the first throw of the game where he overthrows Aaron Jones on a little swing pass, uh, there was a few other ones where you know he just wasn't you know, the, obviously, the Tucker Kraft play where it ends up in the interception, just some inaccuracies during the course of the day. Even like the Bo Melton touchdown probably made that a little bit harder for Bo than it needed to be. There were a couple plays like that. Now, it was raining, it was pouring, and this goes for our Anders Carlson uh, conversation just a second ago as well. We do need to note that there were conditions in this game, and Jordan had to deal with those as well. We saw Brock Purdy deal with it. May have had an issue on the blocked field goal for Green Bay. Who knows? But Uh, definitely conditions played a part in this game. And that easily could have been an issue for Jordan with some of the accuracy stuff. And he did have some big time throws to Romeo Dobbs. uh, you know. But the end game situation is the one that he has to find a way to learn from. Went back and watched that one on the All-22. I've only got a chance to go through like three plays on the All-22, but I wanted to watch that one and the Savage pick were the two main ones. But on that play, you watch it, there is 0.00 chance of success on that throw. There is no window, there is no avenue, there's no nothing. It is first down. This is like the most Brett Farvian of what the heck did you just do throws that you could imagine. Jordan had an awesome season. He's gonna be the guy. He's gonna learn from this. You feel so excited about his prospects moving forward. That is a throw that you go back and watch and you're just like, I I don't know what just happened. I don't know how he makes that decision. It was a grade A brutal decision. No avenue for success. And it's first down, so just throw that sucker out of bounds. There is an interesting dynamic on that play. Aaron Jones comes in, chips on the play. And as he's chipping on the play, so usually what happens on these plays, the two players come in and chip, there's three guys going in deep routes down the field. And then the two players that ship go out in the flats usually and give themselves uh, up or like they open themselves up for a checkdown. Jordan's rolling, right? Jones comes and chips. And as he's re- looking like he's ready to go out in his checkdown, he stumbles. And part of it's due to the contact. And it almost looks like maybe he gets a little bit banged up on the play, but instead of going out on his route, he sees Jordan running around. So, Jones comes back and tries to block Nick Bosa, but has no angle on Bosa and Bosa just gets to the quarterback anyway. If Jones goes out in the flat, I think Jordan just hits him in the flat because there's nobody there. He probably picks up about eight eight yards, maybe 10 yards, and they probably have to call a timeout and the drive continues. Instead though, you've got this weird play where he stumbles out of it and then tries to block instead of going out for the pass. If he goes out, there's nobody there, nobody there. And if you go when you go back and watch it, for those who are thinking that Jordan just should have ran, he had no opportunity to run. The the only option on that play, the only option on that play based on how it developed was throwing it out of bounds. That was the right play. There was nobody open downfield. Watson was basically Dre Greenlaw intercepted it from a 40, another 49er who would have intercepted it if, or at least had a really good chance to intercept it if Greenlaw did not pick it off. And there's another player that's driving on it that would have had a better chance to get to it than Watson, I think. And I think the only reason that he didn't have the opportunity to make a play on the ball is because his 49er teammate was in the way. That's like the fourth person that that has the opportunity to get to is Christian Watson. There are three 49ers in the path of uh, chaos before it would get to Watson. 0.0% chance for success. So tough game for Jordan. One he would love to have back. One he will absolutely learn from. He's a stud. He's going to be amazing moving forward, but this was not his best day. And there's going to be some throws that we dissect uh, a lot. And that last one is certainly one of those. Let's talk about defense for a little bit. It's an interesting day for the defense. They get no turnovers. They have one sack, one tackle for loss, two pretty big missed interceptions. They did hold San Francisco to only seven points at half The blocked field goal kick before half certainly helped with that a little bit. Would have been 10 otherwise, but they hold them to seven. There was the opportunity in that game where it's San Francisco ball, seven, six, they get, there was four minutes left in the first half and then they get the ball in the second half. And you're thinking, man, San Fran could go down and get two touchdowns and this could be a 21 to six game by the time Green Bay gets the ball back and their defense balled out and got two stops and Green Bay got the ball back down only seven, six. So there's no double dip. Not only is there no double dip, they allow zero points on those two drives. The field goal that they end up allowing was off of the Jordan Love interception, the first one, and the defense only allowed 14 yards on that drive. So it's tough to pin those three points on the defense. They forced the 49ers to punt four times, including two three and outs. They held them to 24 points total. Again, three of those tough to blame uh, you know, because of the, the offensive turnover. However, However, again, two dropped, especially the one big dropped interception by Savage, a huge missed tackle by Savage in the open field on Christian McCaffrey, looks like a miscommunication on the touchdown to George Kittle, right? looks like Anthony Johnson Jr. is supposed to stay back and instead he jumps up on Ayuk. And then uh, when your defense and your team needs you to get a stop to win the game, they couldn't do it, which has been an issue for this defense all season long. Listen, I actually thought that this was a good game plan and a really good effort by Joe Barry. It's not his fault that Darnell Savage drops a pick. It's not his fault that Keyshawn Nixon has an opportunity to come up with a pick but doesn't come up with it. It's not his fault that Darnell Savage does not tackle in the hole and allows a huge touchdown. It all goes up to Joe Barry when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, and those are things that they need to be better at and I am not granting amnesty here to Joe Barry. I am not saying that he was this great defensive coordinator that they can't let go. We'll talk about Joe Barry a lot in the next few days. I talked about him on the live post game show. If you want to go back and listen to that, we'll get there. Um, it's an interesting conversation. It sounds like he's his contract's ending, which does change the dynamic a bit of it's not like you're firing him. But you also have to make the decision, do you want to sign that guy to a new contract or do you want to go and look at a Wink Martindale or some of the other really good defensive coordinators that are out there? Those are things that Green Bay is going to want to answer. But I do think that over the course of the past four games, this defense has been better. I do think there's ways that they need to upgrade the talent, especially in the secondary, especially at safety. I thought Joe Barry did a pretty darn good job in the last four games of the season. Is that enough for me to be like, yep, sign him back up? Probably not but um, there was definitely some signs of growth on the defense. I do think though when you had the opportunity to get the stop you couldn't get the stop. and uh, that's just what I'll say about the defense at this point. some really good stuff in this game, some really bad stuff in this game and that's sort of the the theme of this for offense defense and special teams. offense, they're gonna go back and watch the tape and see some really amazing stuff that they did. They're gonna go back and watch the tape and be so ticked off of some of the stuff that they left on the field. Same goes for the defense, same goes for the special teams. Some good, some bad, some ugly, all things that they're going to wish, a handful of things that they wish they could have done differently and had back, but they don't. And we all know how things ended up. Special teams, same sort of story. Huge play on the kick return by Keyshawn Nixon, but then he fumbles, but then Eric Wilson picks it up. Huge play by Eric Wilson. That's a huge play in the game. That's a huge kick return that sets up the Packers offense for success. You have the block field goal at the end of half. That's a huge play in the game that gets the sort of the momentum back and forces the 49ers to go without points at the end of that. They had seven up until that point, but no points before halftime. They also pinned San Francisco deep on a kickoff, like inside like their own 15, but you also had a missed field goal by Anders Carlson that completely changed the game. So some good from the special teams, some really bad from the special teams. Sort of the theme from the day in all three phases. All right. Safeties. All season long. Well, let's just take this journey really quick. Beginning of the year, I said I thought the safety room was not only the worst positional group on the team, thought it had the ability to be the worst positional group in the league. Darnell Savage was coming off a really bad season. Jonathan Owens was coming off a really bad season. Rudy Ford actually coming off a decent season last year, but you you know, you didn't feel great about him being like the number one guy or anything like that. And in fact, it ended up being Rudy Ford, who basically didn't really play much this year at all. And then you had Anthony Johnson Jr., a seventh round pick, tough to be, you know, super excited about that. And I just didn't think it was going to go well. And to be fair to most of those guys, it was fine. It wasn't good. Wasn't bad. Wasn't ugly. It was fine. Slightly below average is what I would say. But for a room that I thought was going to be one of the worst positional groups in all of football and the worst on the team by far, they played fine. And more often than not, it was not the safety group that was either winning new games or losing new games. They were just sort of there. And that is actually an upgrade from what I expected. You go back to last week and Darnell Savage had one of his best games of his career and his play in that game completely helped them beat the Dallas Cowboys and we gave Darnell his flowers last week, and it was a really good week, but this is the issue with Darnell Savage. One week, he can look like a superhero, and the next, he looks completely lost and has a terrible game. The safeties were pretty brutal in this one. Savage drop pick, Savage missed tackle. Owens had a multiple missed tackles and that huge missed pass off um, on the play to Kittle. Anthony Johnson Jr. looked like he made a mistake, uh, on the uh, on playing deep on his side of the field, if it wasn't him, it's then Savage one on one with Kittle, and Savage then did not play that well. Either way, a safety is involved. Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., Darnell Savage, really really tough game. Savage and um, and Owens made a couple plays late in the fourth quarter, but it was too little. Owens also on the final touchdown missed the tackle on Christian McCaffrey. That is that him scoring on that play was probably a good thing they were going to score anyway and like you didn't want to lose any more timeouts or take any more time off the clock so it probably was like a blessing in disguise at the time that he just scored there and you had plenty of time to go down and you know and go get points but we know in hindsight that didn't happen anyway and that was a huge missed tackle there too rough rough day for the safeties the zach tom injury i thought was another key in this one that we haven't discussed yet The final four drives, as we mentioned, were interception, three and out, missed field goal interception. A lot of that, well, all of that Zach Tom was out for. I don't think that that's necessarily a coincidence. He's a super important player. You have Yash Nyman in his place going a lot against Nick Bosa, and that was not an easy matchup for Yash. Not excusing it, yeah, obviously the 49ers were without Debo Samuel. Uh, So like injuries played a part for both teams, but I do think Zach Tom being out really hurt this team. Turnovers in red zone, two things that Green Bay has struggled with at times this season came back to haunt Green Bay. You could just tell going into the second half that this game was probably going to turn on turnovers in some capacity. And it did. And the two turnovers for Green Bay were probably the difference. You go and look at the box score and the team stats and everything like that. And this is a pretty evenly matched game. And the big changers were the, the turnovers and that's where again Jordan just has to be a little bit more crisp. He had a great response in his uh you know in post game of what he's going to take away. He's a smart dude. He's going to learn from this game, but uh, turnovers in red zone offense really felt like uh, a real key difference in this game as well. Meanwhile, San Francisco 49ers an absolute kryptonite for Green Bay. Since 2012, the Packers have made the playoffs 9 times. Of those nine playoff appearances, they've been eliminated by the 49ers five times. Of those five playoff losses to the 49ers, they've lost three of them by exactly three points. They also lost the game in 99 to the 49ers by exactly three points. They have been an absolute kryptonite for Green Bay. As much as Green Bay has owned Chicago, as much as Green Bay has owned Dallas, San Francisco has owned the hell out of Green Bay and they have to find a way to get past that team because they don't necessarily look like they're going anywhere anytime super soon. And the 49ers have taken it to Green Bay and eliminated them five times of their last nine playoff appearances. That is an insane statistic. Let's wrap up with this entire season as a whole. I know this has been a bit of a downer, a bit of a bummer, wanted to kind of go over, obviously, everything that happened in this game and what led to the defeat. This is a pretty epic season on the whole. And I know, again, we have that vomit-inducing end to the year that we'll always have to attach to this season where they could have gone to the NFC Championship game. And who knows? Maybe they lose in heartbreaking fashion there or in devastating fashion there. Maybe it happens in the Super Bowl. Maybe they would have won the Super Bowl. We don't know. We don't get to experience that, unfortunately, at least not in this version of the multiverse. But I will say that this is one of my favorite seasons I've ever watched. Certainly one of my favorite seasons I've ever covered. I really enjoy this team. I enjoy the players. I enjoy the coaches, mostly. Uh, I enjoy a lot of what this team accomplished, how they grew and got better, the trials and tribulations that they went through, the stories that we were able to watch them go through this season. It was a really, really fun year. And to go from a team where you didn't know what to expect to two and five to three and six, to making the run into the playoffs, to beating Dallas, to having the opportunity to beat San Fran, it was a heck of a journey. This feels like the start of the journey still. And what I mean by that is this young team is just taking its first steps towards opening that window And setting the foundation and growing into a team that can be a legit, legit Super Bowl contender. This felt like the first steps of that. Like I said earlier, that's not meant to make anything feel better coming off a devastating loss. You don't, nothing's guaranteed moving forward, and they're gonna have to continue to get better. But this felt like the beginning, not the end, not the middle, just the first chapters of this new story. And it was a heck of a few chapters. And I don't know about you, but like I can't wait for this next part. How do they handle the offseason? Defensive coordinator change. Yes, no. Devondre Campbell, David Bakhtiari. Five picks in the top 100 of the draft. Maybe a little free agency money to spend if they want to go in that direction. How many of these guys take a, a jump in year two? They've, there's so much, and I can't freaking wait because you saw them build the foundation in real time for what this team can be moving forward. They need pieces need to figure out kicker. They need to figure out the defensive backfield. Some of those names I mentioned earlier, they're going to have to look at. But the opportunity here is endless. And this is still a huge off season for Green Bay. What they do with those draft picks is going to be massive. If Goody hits another one out of the park, then you could be looking at setting yourself up for a long time with a really high upside. But you have to still continue to grow. And if they don't, then this, you can see this team plateau rather quickly. You are green and growing, or you are ripe and rotten in the NFL. If you're not trending up, you are trending down. So, I will look back at the season fondly. I love this team. I freaking love the Green Bay Packers. There's no, uh, there's no amount of heartbreak apparently that I will not be, you know, back the next day for, but. I, I, I'm genuinely excited about this team moving forward. I'm genuinely excited about what they were able to accomplish this season. Jordan love is just in his first steps of what he's going to become. Same thing with so many of these young playmakers green Bay set up with the 25th pick in the draft, which should be fun to keep an eye on. Although I did see the last two times they picked that pick 25, it was Ahmad Carroll and Antoine Edwards. So maybe one, just get out of that pick entirely. And two, if you do stay, don't pick a corner, but uh, I digress. It's going to be a really fun off season. And with that, I want to say thank you to all of you guys. This is my first season covering the Packers full-time. And while this team has been on a journey, it's been an incredible journey for me. And just this week, and actually most of these just happened yesterday, but just this week, We hit 20,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We hit 200 members on the Packaday Podcast YouTube channel. 2,000 episodes on the Packaday Podcast all time. 2,000 consecutive days without ever missing an episode. And uh, personally, I hit 70,000 followers on Twitter as well. Now like 68,000 of those are probably bots, but still it's it's an amazing journey for myself, and it wouldn't be nothing without you guys being there for the support and being on this journey with me. So thank you so, so much. Thank you to every member of the Packaday podcast team. Thank you for making this one of my favorite seasons. Like I said, watching this team, covering this team, and just interacting with all of you guys. It's been a hell of a year. I wish it was still going on for another week. Like I said, we don't stop. We go 365, so make sure to subscribe, like, comment, Check out those Packaday podcast YouTube memberships. There's so much more to come. And this is just the start of this journey for this young team. It is so freaking exciting to think what this team can be. But small steps along the way, a lot of decisions for the Packers to make, and we're going to be covering it here, 365. And this is my first offseason working on this full-time. If you don't think the spreadsheets and the draft stuff and the salary cap stuff and the free agent stuff isn't going to be better than ever, you've got another thing coming. It is going to be an epic offseason, so make sure you're following along every step of the way. Shout out to our new members, Hunter Stickler, EA, Joseph Reel, J. Henry Glover, FitzBlitz66, Rich McCandles, Jackie Pack fan, Waylon Roth, Big Hoss, Lonnie Johnson, Connor Bradshaw, Chad Ink, Seth Joppe, Brandon Paletta, who's a new Hall of Fame member, appreciate that a ton, and Ben Stockings. And of course, a shout out to our All Pro and Hall of Fame members, most hated Minnesota, and PJ Wayne, John Wilde, Shea Bra Dad, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, MB1023, David McCluskey, and Brandon Paletta. Brandon, I apologize. You are not on the little picture wall of fame yet. It is 3.44 in the morning as I'm finishing this. I will get that updated for you tomorrow. I will see all of you guys here very, very soon, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go.